Welcome to WADA, ADA Live Talk Radio, brought to you by Southeast ADA Center, your leader for information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act. And here's your host. Good afternoon and welcome to WADA, ADA Live. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, welcome to the 23rd episode of ADA Live. My name is Sally Weiss, and I am the Director of Knowledge Translation for the Southeast ADA Center. Our guest today is Georgia Fructonet, Curriculum and Learning Specialist, Trainer, and Navigator Team Leader for Parent to Parent of Georgia. Georgia is also the Parent Coordinator for the Parent Detailer Project, which is part of the Autism Plan for Georgia. Today's topic is Back to School, What Parents Need to Know Before the School Year Begins. ADA listening audience, you can submit your questions about IDEA, 504, and the ADA at any time on adalive.org. Georgia, welcome to our show. Thank you, Sally. I'm glad to be here. Today we're talking about what parents need to know to help their child's school year get off to a good start. Georgia, can you tell us what you think might be the first thing a parent needs to do? Sure. I think the first thing that a parent needs to do is to spend some time deciding what type of relationship do you want to have with the people at your child's school. Uh, My recommendation is to be determined to have a positive relationship that's really more of a partnership uh, where each person brings something to the table. And so I think as soon as I find out who my children's teachers are, I send them an email and I try to get to know them. And, uh, and I really I try to understand, get to know them as people and understand their perspective. And that determination really will affect all of my interactions with the school system. And so just creating a foundation of a positive relationship is really important because then later when something comes up that may be not so positive, uh, you've got that foundation of something positive. Georgia, that makes a lot of sense. Do you have some suggestions about how parents can help their child who is very anxious about going back to school? Absolutely. I have the situation at my house for sure. Um, The anxiety about the first day of school uh, can be debilitating. And sometimes you'll hear, I recommend communicating that anxiety and, and requesting accommodations. Hopefully the accommodations are already discussed and mapped out in the IEP or the 504 plan. But sometimes parents will get pushback from a school and they'll be discounted somewhat and the school will say, well, you know, everybody's anxious on the first day of school. And uh, so I think it's important to distinguish uh, a child with a disabilities anxiety from maybe a neurotypical uh, anxiety. And the way that I've done that in the past that's worked well is saying uh, that my child the, the difference between typical anxiety and my child's anxiety is the frequency, the duration, and the intensity of the anxiety. Uh, there's lots of things that you can do to help with that. Uh, visiting the school, 
visiting the school when it's not packed with kids in the hallway, so maybe when it's empty. Uh, taking pictures uh, works well. Um, meeting the teachers, uh, meeting the lunchroom folks, getting the schedule in advance and walking through uh, the schedule. At home, you may want to use social stories. Uh, you can Google social stories and find a lot of support online for that. Um, and also maybe a picture schedule or a visual schedule that you could post on the refrigerator or somewhere around the house that has pictures of, um, of the schedule. Georgia, can you talk a little bit more about a visual schedule? Can you tell me what it really looks like? Sure. Uh, many kids, especially kids with language processing issues, uh, process visual information with less anxiety than auditory information. And so a visual schedule would be just what it sounds like. It would be a schedule that is pictures, and those pictures could be uh, real pictures. Perhaps you visit the school beforehand and uh, you take pictures of the classroom, of the teachers, of the outside of the school, and then you post them around your house. And so they're there and your child gets used to what they look like and you can have some conversation about that. Um, they're really helpful for non-readers or children with auditory processing issues. Um, if you've got a child who's a strong reader uh, but still needs that visual on what to expect, you may have the words written out. So it may not be pictures. And the pictures don't even have to be real. They could be, I mean, Google Images has got tons of pictures. So it could be cartoon uh, type pictures. Um, another thing as far as preparing in advance is sometimes if you've got a child who's going into middle school or high school, the locker can be a source of anxiety. And so finding out the type of lock that they use with the locker um, and practicing that at home can reduce some of that. All of the little things really add up. And so the more you can find out about that experience, the more you can prepare your child for it, and, uh, and so it won't be so overwhelming. Thank you. We have a question from one of our listeners. It says, I requested an IEP meeting and the school says we should wait a couple of weeks until the teacher gets to know my child. Do I have to wait? Um, it is absolutely a parent's choice. A parent can request an IEP meeting at any time. Um, I think sometimes it might be appropriate to wait. If you've got a child who doesn't have a lot of anxiety about school, um, then, then maybe it is okay to wait and let the teacher get to know the child and the child get to know the teacher and then have a meeting um, to, to kind of check in and see how things are going. But if you've got the situation that we just talked about, when you've got a child who has a lot of anxiety and perhaps has a need uh, for sameness, uh, then having that meeting before school starts can really make a big difference. It can really set them up for being successful. Um, and, and you may want to think about, you know, decide and be intentional about whether you include your child in that meeting. My son, Augie, started coming to his meetings when he was in kindergarten. He really only passed out the snacks when he was in kindergarten, and he talked a little bit about what's going on. And then we had him go into another room with another, you know, adult, and we had, you know, the meat 
of the meeting. But for him, I remember him telling me when he was in fourth grade that he felt like having an IEP team was comforting to him because he felt like this is a whole room full of people who care about me and care about my success. And it was funny. He told me, he said, Mom, I think everybody needs to have an IEP team. Uh, and I agree. I think everybody needs a group of people that care about them. Georgia, I think Augie's on to something. I think it's a great idea. ADA Live listening audience, if you have a question about the ADA and IDA and Section 504, please submit it at any time at our online forum at adalive.org. And now, a word from our sponsors. Parent to Parent of Georgia is a statewide nonprofit that serves families and individuals impacted by disabilities or special health care needs. P2P is a unique organization because callers are connected to staff who are parents too. We believe that one of the most meaningful sources of support is another parent or family member who has experienced navigating the educational and healthcare systems in Georgia. We believe that all families can be empowered to be involved in education and health-related decision-making. With staff and a network of parent volunteers across the state of Georgia, P2P is the source of support, education, and leadership development to families or individuals with any disability or special health care need. All of our services are provided free of charge. Call us today at 1-800-229-2038 or visit our website at p2pga.org. Another parent is waiting to talk with you. We've been talking with Georgia Fruitenicht, Curriculum and Learning Specialist for Parent to Parent of Georgia. Here's our next question. What should I do to prepare for the IEP or 504 meeting? That's a great question, Sally. Preparation is so important. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the kids' anxiety about starting school. But the reality is we, as parents, we have our own anxiety about our children uh, starting school. And so understanding that and being prepared uh, for those meetings is, is really important. I already talked a little bit about whether or not to include your child. And uh, I feel strongly that people should include their child in meetings, but it's really, it's a parent's choice. Sometimes it may not uh, be appropriate. You want to, whether it's in an email or phone call, um, if your child's going to attend an IP meeting, you want to also prepare the team for your child attending because you want to make sure that it's a positive experience uh, for uh, for your child. So if you know that the team, if you know it's going to be a tough meeting and you know that there's some frustration among the teachers and that there's going to be some stuff that's negative, perhaps your child has a behavior, um, some behavior challenges, then you want to prepare the team and say, okay, <clears throat> he's coming to the meeting at the beginning of the meeting. I want this to be a positive experience. I need you guys to be supportive and for him to feel like he's got your support and you want him to be successful. If you've got really negative stuff to say, wait until he leaves the room. <laughs> and so just making sure that your child knows what to expect and the team knows what your expectation. This is not a time for you to bring your child and for them to rag your child around uh, during, during that time. Um, consider the atmosphere. I always bring food. I find chocolate uh, makes people relax. It brings people together. I typically bring chocolate and fruit because you've got somebody invariably that's going to be on a diet. Um, 
But consider bringing food. If you're meeting at lunchtime, maybe you want to provide lunch. Um, help the team get to know your child as a person. And this is really especially true if you're going into a new school uh, or if you're going into a new grade, which typically people do every year, and you've got a team that doesn't know uh, your child. And so they get the IEP and they see the big you know, stack of paper, but it's my goal for them to see my child as a person and as a kid that has strengths and challenges um, and not just a disability. And there are lots of ways that people do this. Some people make videos. If you go to YouTube and, and search IEP video, you'll see a couple of videos that people have made for, um, for the IEP meeting. There's actually an article on rights law about how to make your own video. It's really not that difficult. Um, you may bring pictures. Uh, for me, I'm a storyteller. I like to tell stories, and so I'm going to tell a story to help people get to know uh, my child. One that I like to tell on Augie, who's now 12, uh, but this happened when he was in first grade. He got in the car and I said, well, how was your day? And, and he said, bad. And I said, well, tell me about it. And he said, well, my teacher told me I need to worry about myself, but I'm not sure what to worry about. Well, that tells the team a lot about Augie. It, it says, basically, you need to be careful of your language. And because that teacher was telling him to mind his own business. He was all up in, I mean, he's a strict rule follower, and he was all up in everybody else's business. Who was prob They were not probably following the rules. And he needed to d work on his own work and focus on his own stuff and not be worried about everybody else. But for Augie, he's very literal, and uh, so he, she told him to worry about himself, and he was willing to do that, but he just wasn't sure what to worry about. So you can see that, that gets, you get to know Augie a little bit as a quirky little kid, and, uh, and I hope you smiled when you heard that story, because that's my goal for the IP team, to get to know him as you know, a quirky kid that makes you smile. Okay, another thing is you may want to take someone with you. Uh, to your IEP meeting or your 504 meeting. And it could be someone who knows a whole lot about the law and the process and all of that stuff. And it could be your neighbor who doesn't know anything, but she helps you feel calm and she makes you feel like you're supported. Um, I think it changes the atmosphere when you bring someone with you. Uh, I typically bring my husband, and I've been asked if he's allowed to talk in an IEP meeting, and absolutely he is allowed to talk, but he doesn't typically talk much in one of those meetings, but he takes notes. And that's really important because sometimes the person who's in charge of the minutes will miss something, and Gary will catch it. And so, um, so that, that's important as far as someone that can maybe take notes and someone that just can make you feel supported because sometimes parents feel like it's all of these people at the table and then it's me, and that feels kind of lonely. Um, you may want to uh, create a one-page agenda, or I call mine a parent report, uh, and that's just to keep you on track uh, because the meetings do get intense and they, you, know, you go into all kinds of different things. And typically on what my parent report, I'll have, for Augie, say I'll have Augie's strengths and the positives. This is what's going well. And then this is what's challenging. And then these are some concerns I have. And then here are some considerations for the team. And some parents will, instead of considerations, they will have parent request. Um, and that's your choice. Uh, but for me, I really want the team 
to make decisions. I don't want it to be me requesting stuff and them saying yes or no. I want a collaborative effort. And I find sometimes that the special ed folks do better at coming up with stuff than I do. And so if I just have things that I want them to consider, then we can consider them as a team. Uh, one last thing on preparation. I know this is, this is a big topic. We could talk the whole time about that. Um, so you may consider creating a one-pager about your child for uh, teachers, admin folks, the lunchroom folks, maybe specials folks, the people who aren't going to see the whole IEP. And that one-pager may include the strengths of your child, some challenges that your child has, and then some strategies that might help. And it's not really that important to include a diagnosis. It's really more important to these are the things that we're good at, these are the things we struggle with, and then this is how you can support me. Thanks, Georgia. That's a really great idea. Is there something else that might be important for parents to do? I think it's really important to talk to your kids. Educate them about their strengths as well as their challenges. Uh, I think it's important to start those conversations as early as possible and, uh, and make, I mean, have the attitude that disability is a natural part of life. It's not anything to be ashamed of. It's just, it's just part of who we are. Augie has a disability just like he has brown hair and food allergies. It's just part of who he is. Uh, so I think it's important to talk to your kids I think it's important for them to know, and every child's going to be different as far as how much they understand and how much they can do this, but I think it's important to share the accommodations uh, with the kids. My 10-year-old, uh, Virginia, pulled out her 504 accommodations and showed them to the teacher. She had a copy in her desk because her teacher forgot about one of them, and I think that self-advocacy, you, you can start learning that really early, and I think that's important. Uh, also, it's important to know know what your rights are because that's going to help you be prepared and it's going to help you communicate with your team and it's going to help you be reasonable because you're, you're going to know what you have the right to. Um, I think it's important to let the school know that you know what your rights are without beating them on the head with it. I've never taken a statute to an IEP meeting, but I do use language like least restrictive environment or an appropriate education, or FAPE, which stands for Free Appropriate Public Education, I use language that lets them know that I know I know what my rights are and I understand. There's a lot of training online. Parent to Parent, if you're in the state of Georgia, does a lot of free training. Uh, it's important to know what your rights are so you can navigate um, the system. That's another good point for our listeners to understand. Thanks a lot, Georgia. You've provided us with quite a bit of valuable information. Before we continue, here's a word from our sponsors. The Southeast ADA Center is your leader in providing information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act and disability access tailored to the needs of business, government, and individuals at local, state, and regional levels. The Southeast ADA Center, located in Atlanta, Georgia, is a member of the ADA National Network and serves eight states in the Southeast region. For answers to your ADA questions, contact the ADA National Network at 1-800-949-4232. We've been talking about what to do in an IEP or 504 meeting. What about afterwards, George? Is there something you would recommend that parents do? Absolutely. I think it's really important 
um, to follow up after the meeting and express your appreciation. Even if the meeting did not go well at all, they did take the time out of their day uh, to meet with you. So I think it's important to thank them. And I typically do this in an email. Uh, you can use Cute Stationery if you would like, but I like to just send an email that says thank you. I appreciate your spending your time with me. And then list what you accomplished at the meeting. What was positive about the meeting? Something happened that was positive. You can, even if you have to really try hard to make something up, you can make up something that is positive. So this is what we accomplished at the meeting. And then if there are any open issues, Maybe someone was going to check on an occupational therapy evaluation, or maybe you know maybe there was something that's open that people were going to check on, or maybe you didn't come to a decision on something. And so that's another opportunity after you've said thank you and you've listed some positives and some accomplishments from the meeting is to talk about what are the open issues and then who's responsible uh, for them. Jane said she was going to check on this. I look forward to hearing from Jane. And then Jane knows she's on the hook to do what she said she was going to do. Um, also, for me, I'm always thinking about, man, I wish I would have said something. And, and so this is another opportunity for you to, um, if you forgot to say something, you can add that in in that in that meeting. And you can also ask for your email to be part of uh, part of the record. So far, we've been discussing the grades K through 12, because more and more students with disabilities are going on to community colleges or vocational schools or four-year institutions. Do you have any suggestions for what these students and their parents need to know? Uh, absolutely, and we've I've alluded to this a little bit as far as talking to your kids and have, making sure that they understand uh, their disability and how it affects their education and uh, and their accommodations. Because once they get out of school, they don't have an IEP anymore, and so they're going to have to ask for accommodations. The parents aren't going to be there, okay? And so and it's it's up to the child who's not a child, they're a young adult by then, but it's up to the student to ask for those accommodations and be able to explain uh, what supports they need to be able to access their education. And for some kids, this is really a challenging uh, transition, especially if they're used to the IEP team and their parents uh, doing all that for them. And so I think the earlier you can start preparing them for requesting accommodations, being able to communicate clearly about what they need, uh, the better off th that transition is going to go. Um, so I think it's really important um, to know that that transition is coming up and you want to prepare for it. Georgia, we're almost out of time. What do you hope that our listeners take away from today's broadcast? Are there some key points that you hope they remember? Um, sure. I think... Go back to my very first point about being intentional and being intentional about your relationship and being careful that you don't let your emotions dictate your relationship with the school, which is challenging because, I mean, these are our children that we're talking about. It's emotional. And so if you treat that relationship very intentionally and um, be determined to create a positive uh, partnership, I think of it more as a professional friendship than a personal 
friendship. My goal is to end up with a positive friendship by the end, you know, by the middle of the year, really. Um, I don't send any emails when you're angry. Save them in your draft box. Uh, let them sit for a couple of days. Let someone else read it uh, before you send it because you can't get them back. And, uh, and sometimes that can, I'll give you an example of that. Before Augie started first grade, I was, I was a mess. I was really anxious about that, him starting first grade, probably more than he was. And I emailed his teacher to try to start that positive relationship, and I didn't hear back from her. I emailed her again in a couple of days, and I still didn't hear back from her. Uh, I think I emailed her a third time, and I started getting really frustrated that she was ignoring me. I was really tempted to go over her head. I drafted a very angry email, and I left it in my draft box. And, uh, but something told me to just hold on because I didn't want to ruin my relationship with her at the very beginning of the year. Well, it turned out her father died right before school started. So if I had sent that angry email, then I would've, that would have probably ruined my relationship for that whole year. But I didn't send it, so I had the opportunity to be compassionate and cut her some slack. She was grieving, you know, in a big way, and it was a very sudden death. Um, so think about that, and just keep your end goal in mind. Keep the fact that your goal is the best interest of your child, and uh, and so you want to keep keep that in mind and not let your emotions dictate your relationship. I'd like to thank Georgia Fruitsnick curriculum and learning specialist, trainer, and navigator team leader for Parent to Parent of Georgia for joining us today. This show will be archived on our website, adalive.org, along with a resource sheet containing information about IDEA, 504, and ADA. Thank you also to our ADA Live listening audience. The Southeast ADA Center is grateful for your support and participation in this series of WADA ADA Live broadcasts. You may submit questions about any of our ADA Live topics by going to adalive.org. Please join us again on September 2nd, 2015, for another episode of WADA ADA Live. If you have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, please contact your regional ADA center at 1-800-949-4232. Once again, that's 1-800-949-4232. All calls are free and confidential. Thank you for listening to ADA Live Talk Radio. Brought to you by the Southeast ADA Center. Remember to join us the first Wednesday of each month for another ADA topic. And you can call 1-800-949-4232 for answers to your ADA questions.